Put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain We can't climb Babe I got you, babe I got you, Okay, campers, rise and shine <laughs> And don't forget your booties Because it's cold out there today That's right, Woodchuck Chuckers It's Hey, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is your host, John Foster, and I'm here today with uh, my adopted son. Well, you made eye contact with me like the whole time. It freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're here today. Obviously, um, we come in hot with a um, bit of a bit of something that might sound familiar mm-hmm. to you if you are uh, aware of popular culture in the last yeah, 30 of, years. Are you on. with it? Are you hip? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, actually. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's Groundhog Day. It is. So, happy Groundhog uh, Day. Happy Groundhog Day to you as well. That's not really um, a thing here. Isn't it a thing in America? It is. Everywhere? It is, it is like, I mean, it's not like something that people are going to like take off work for or anything, but you not know, like a it, bank is, holiday. it is a real kind of thing. Yeah. But for the reason, like in the movie, the Groundhog Day, yeah. to come, if it comes out in good fortune or good weather, I forget what it is. Yeah, I'll, get the to it. I'll tell you. I'll Thank tell you. you the little background on but it. I'm but I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah. So if you weren't aware of our intro, and then also um, us just talking about just now, and also the title of the episode, and also maybe the description of the episode, if you see that, or <laughs> you, if you ignored saw, all of it. Yeah. If you saw our tweets or something, you might have seen that uh, today's episode is about Groundhog Day. Um, we're going to kind of keep it a little bit quick on our end, uh, heading into that because we want to get into Groundhog Day and also. Just kind of like short for time. Um, exactly, this week. and we're so, a person down. Yeah, so. we're a person down. It's just me and Phil today. It's so. a two-hander. Yeah. <laughs> also, yeah. we just love funny and share anytime yeah. we can. Yeah, yeah. Just want to hear that. Big amount. Yeah. <laughs> because it's Groundhog Day. Yeah. It's not all I'm going to say throughout yeah. the whole show. Just, just going to look at you, and you have to say Groundhog, Groundhog Day. Day. Okay. <laughs> what would you do if you were stuck in the same day? Over and over. Anything you want and everything your heart desires. (laughs) Don't drive angry. Bill Murray. Yes! Andy McDowell. Groundhog Day. What did you do today? Oh, same old, same old. Rated PG. Weatherman Phil Connors, played by Bill Murray. Phil. Along with cameraman Larry Chris Elliott and the new producer Rita, Andy McDowell are out to cover the annual Groundhog Day Festival in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania, but soon find themselves stranded due to a blizzard that Phil didn't predict. (laughs) But that isn't Phil's biggest problem, as he soon finds himself trapped in a time warp where he is doomed to relive Groundhog Day over and over again until he gets it right. Until he gets Groundhog Day. (laughs) Until he ends (laughs) Groundhog Day. (laughs) I love this. Yeah. Uh, it was directed by the late, great Harold Ramis. Harold who, Ramis, man. Who helped uh, rewrite the script originally written by Danny Rubin. Harold Ramis, oh, man, Legend. rest in peace, yeah, man. It's such fuck, a shame. Yeah, it's such a shame. I fucking love Harold Ramis Me too. so much. Um, this film kind of has like a little bit of stuff like where you could talk about Harold Ramis a little bit and mm-hmm. some of the people that are in it, like particularly Andy McDowell, who also love... Uh, she was in Multiplicity, which is another great Harold Ramis film, oh, which we need to fucking show here. <laughs> like, oh, I love it so much. It's Michael Keaton. It's about and, a guy who can. Oh, uh, he clones make multi- himself. Yeah, 
He yeah. so basically he's like an overworked sort of guy and he wants to spend time with his family, but also he's kind of like wants to do like, oh, I want to have my own sort of like free Life, time yeah. and stuff. And uh so he secretly finds out well, he finds out a way that he can clone himself and he like yeah. secretly goes and gets his this procedure done and clones himself and then uh I think he might clone himself one more time or his clone convinces him to clone him clone him it's like that simpsons yeah. did it on yeah. of Horror. it doesn't end the same way where like only one is left and it's a clone and no, the wife no, no 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 oh, no okay. it's not a horror version no. Oh, okay, it's cool, pretty, cool. no it's pretty wholesome but it's so good. Really good it's so good and then the clone i think a clone secretly clones himself and then that clone is just mentally challenged <laughs> <laughs> it's really bad like of the time oh, but, i really like, want to uh, see michael keaton play that great yeah, yeah. Yeah, you like pizza. No. Also pizza. <laughs> God, it's like the brother from there. Something about Mary. <laughs> yeah. yeah, basically he's just a child. I'll leave it at that. He's okay. Not, let's just say he's a child, mm. not mentally challenged. Okay, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Um, but anyway, Harold Ramis, wonderful. Like sucks, he passed away. Um, but anyway, uh, this guy Danny Rubin though, he had recently moved to L.A. after selling the script to this film called Hear No Evil. Not seen it. Some weird '90s thriller. Um, and his agent, after he sold that script, told him that he should have a calling card script so he can like shop around to yeah, producers yeah. and game meetings and stuff. So he came up with Groundhog Day, <laughs> uh, <he> Ghostbusters, with- <laughs> Ghostbusters. <laughs> he came up with the core idea of the script uh, that would actually become the film um, while sitting in a movie theater. Um, he was asking himself a question: If a person could live forever, if a person was immortal, how would they change over time? So that's kind of like the idea of it. He decided that having this character be immortal, though, would be like, like, and the world changing around them would be kind of too cumbersome to film. Uh, So instead, he came back with the concept that he had written down a couple years earlier about a man living the same day over and over. And I think that was like sort of based on something else. He gets to do both, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because he is essentially immortal in Groundhog Day. Yeah, definitely. He tried to kill himself multiple times, (laughs) which is great. I've been (laughs) shot, stabbed. Burnt, that's an drowned. interesting thing though because um all the things that he he mentioned uh was what uh, oh god yeah the wave yeah. oh it's so depressing yeah <laughs> when he decides to just kill himself yeah but all those things uh that he mentioned are uh ways that rasputin was like really like, like attempted drawn murders yeah. by assassins and that's stuff cool um, but also could have been a weird homage to Ghostbusters because like Harold Ramis ended up getting control of the script and did a rewrite and stuff yeah, and, yeah. Uh, and Ghostbusters 2 oh god I can't remember his name right now Carpathian like the bad the baddie or yeah, whatever yeah. Ghostbusters 2 I think he he died those w- or was killed those ways or attempted to yeah. be killed so um, yeah who knows I don't know Vigo? Yeah Vigo think, yeah. yeah is it Vigo Carpathian? Yeah Vigo yeah. the Carpathian? But I haven't seen Ghostbusters 2 in a long time oh I like Ghostbusters so long no, I like it as Underrated. well. I know it's like a lot of people hate it. It's the same it's movie, like, but like, yeah. it's still good. It's fun to watch those guys <laughs> run around and fight a painting at the end. Yeah. <laughs> well, he decided... Groundhog Day. Uh, by looking at a calendar and noticing that it was a day that had little fanfare. There's and, no Groundhog uh, Day movies. Let's yeah. fix that. <laughs> so he decided it would be that day. Um, and it could be screened every year on that day. And uh, wow, this guy got cocky real quick. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> he was thinking of like how there's Halloween films yeah. and Christmas specials uh, and yeah, all that yeah. sort of thing. So this is how I make my money. This is how I win. Yeah. yeah. Um, but after having that day set, he was able to set the film in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, because that is the actual place in America where the annual celebration does take place. 
So basically a little bit of background, like we were saying, I'll give you a little bit about, about Groundhog Day. So my God, I still haven't looked into it enough and okay. I feel like I, I want to, but I just, I was like, I can't make this episode two hours long, <laughs> but uh, it's a popular tradition in Canada and the United States on February the 2nd. Uh, it derives from the Pennsylvania Dutch superstition that if the groundhog is emerging from its burrow on the day and sees its shadow due to clear weather, it will retreat to its den and winter will persist for six more weeks. But if it does not see its shadow uh, because of cloudiness, uh, spring will arrive early. It feels kind of backwards, but yeah. that's it's so really that means yeah. the shadow means if it's clear out. Yeah, basically if okay. it, if it's clear, so if there's a sunshine or something like and that, you can, can see your shadow. Okay. So that means six more weeks of winter, um, and that's what happens in the film. Actually, the groundhog does see its shadow, yeah. uh, but then. <laughs> This whole thing is sort of a little weird, elaborate take on like the Christian holy day of Candlemas, which takes place on the 2nd of February. But the whole like Punxsutawney thing started around the 1880s. Uh, and it was literally more of a hunt for a groundhog. Really? Like, literally, they were, they like were a badger call. eating the poor things. <laughs> Did it see the shadow? Good. Let's eat it. <laughs> Let's eat it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, there's like that weird sort of line where Phil sort of broke. He's just broken <laughs> and he just doesn't care anymore. And he's like going out and, you know, he gives that really like nasty sort of uh, like, you know, in front of the camera, the really yeah, sort the of monologue, nasty yeah, monologue yeah. and the whole line of like, it's going to be cold. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's yeah. going to last the rest of your life. Mm. That whole thing. I think he said, look at, look at them. They used to eat him. You know, like, you That's know, funny. he, he kind of mentions it. And mm. I like, I always thought that was funny, but now that I've looked into it. It's like, they did. Yeah. Very weird. Now when he steals the groundhog, yeah, they like yeah. go driving together. <laughs> what a great scene. Yeah. What a great scene. That sort of finally died out and it kind of became what we kind of know now as Groundhog Day. And, and then it was around the 60s that they finally named Groundhog Punxsutawney Phil, which is possibly after Prince Philip. Oh, sure. And I why have no not? idea why not. Why? It's, it's like where the Prince I'm, Child and I have no idea why. Yeah. I didn't look that up. Yeah. I Because when I saw Prince Philip, I was just like... <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. That's a rabbit hole. Well, yeah. Maybe the I don't know though. Or if, a groundhog hole. You know, if the groundhogs driving cars and trucks and stuff and uh, running over things and all that, you know, maybe it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, the film though itself wasn't actually filmed in Punxsutawney. Uh, it was filmed in Woodstock, Illinois. Hollywood is so fake, man. And there's actually in in Woodstock now. There's a small plaque that reads "Bill Murray stepped here on the curb where he kept falling into the into the puddle." Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's funny. That's the biggest thing to ever happen to Woodstock. <laughs> yeah. And then also in the corner where he constantly meets Ned. Yeah, that's now got Ned? a plaque that says Ned's Corner. I love. Oh, I love that. That's one of my favorite running jokes. You should punch him at one point. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we'll talk about Stephen Tobolowsky, the guy who plays Ned Ryerson, in a bit, but. Uh, yeah, the guy. bad guy in Garfield, me. Yeah, Bring it back yeah they do. Circle. They do uh, team back up. Oh him shit! And, yeah, can Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. That's the weird. Okay, trivia. Bill Murray uh, was Bankman in Ghostbusters. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a Ghostbusters cartoon, the real Ghostbusters. The guy who voiced Bankman's character was the same guy who would voice Garfield. Ah. And then later on, there'd be a Garfield movie, and Bill Murray would voice Garfield. Whoa! Isn't that weird? Yeah. Okay, man. Yeah, that old Ghostbusters cartoon but was their voice pretty amazing. It's yeah. fucking similar. Yeah. yeah, it's weird, but fucking Egon Tell was like blonde. And he had like a huge pompadour. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, 
Anyway, Ruben took about seven weeks to get the rules of the time loop and thing down, and mm-hmm. then uh, about three to four days to actually write the first script. And eventually, after shopping the script around, numerous producers uh, would see it, and it finally landed in the hands of Harold Ramis. Um, funny enough, though, in the original script, it would have had Phil already starting in the middle of the loop. Okay. And like the viewers would have been kind of oh, like, what, the, fuck? what yeah. the fuck's going on? Like, what's going on with this guy? And then they would have had to use like a, a voiceover to catch up the audience. Yeah. Kind of weird. It would have been kind of interesting to start in the middle of the loop. But then in the second script, that's when they decided to give Phil a reason to be stuck in the loop. Mm-hmm. But, it's much better structure to like establish a routine. Yeah, and definitely. And then break it. Yeah. But did you know in the, in the second script, the original reason was that he had dumped a girlfriend at the beginning of the film and they had this sort of bad breakup and the girlfriend uh, cast a spell on him which trapped him <laughs> oh, <laughs> it's a thousand on. years <laughs> oh, that's horrible yeah. How, it's that's very a, interesting like that's uh, a good thing the film kind of never really stepped into a yeah. supernatural thing uh, Harold Ramis luckily stepped in at, around the time to kind of stop the whole thing with the witch the, the witch yeah. and uh, they kind of turned it into the story that we all kind of know which helped fit better for Bill Murray's skills but before Bill Murray, some other people that were considered for the role of Phil Connors were Tom Hanks, Michael Keaton. Good. And I mean, of the time, I like, man, that could have worked. Pulling, yeah, yeah, definitely. Oh, it would have worked with both. Yeah. Another would have been a bit funnier probably for the next couple, uh, Chevy Chase oh, God. and Steve Martin. Chevy Chase is not likable enough. <laughs> and then um, someone who's just on the other end of the stick, well, you got to remember it's the 90s and at the time. John Travolta. Nope. <laughs> but all of those people are deemed a little too nice because the character yeah, Phil, you need more of a you need, like, because Bill Murray is just so perfect at playing that sort of asshole character. I think it's a pretty perfect uh, Bill Murray character. Yeah. I think it, it's one of the best showcases. Yeah, I, definitely. I, for me, for me, I, I put it up there. It's just one of my favorite, I, I, I would say my favorite Bill Murray role. Yeah. 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 I think he's just perfect for the film. Like it nails him perfectly. Like where, I'm a, well, there's other, there's other roles and stuff later. I feel like one person that sort of gets him. I feel like Wes Anderson sort of understands how to like mm. to get Bill Murray like to click into that weird sort of funniness, but then also that sort of like sadness to him, which mm. I think is Phil Connors like is to a T. It's just like this man that you kind of hate because he's an asshole but then at the same time you feel really bad for him because you feel there's some sort of weird sadness to him definitely and then he's fucking hilarious as well yeah, like yeah. you know you can't help but to love him it's sort of contagious um but funny enough he was well not funny uh he was undergoing <laughs> a divorce at the time of filming i was gonna say yeah apparently yeah. it was not a fun set to be on. yeah not at all he was obsessing about the film a lot uh and he would ring harold ramus constantly trying to just sort of figure out this character and figure out the script and where things were going. Ramis would eventually just kind of get sick of it, which kind of sucks and uh, sent writer Danny Rubin to sit and sit like, and chat with him know, and go over. And then apparently out. they would iron out all the anxieties and that would actually lead to some script changes. Mm-hmm. So possibly when they start to go into filming, it would have been a little bit more of the sort of mystical side or weird yeah, side yeah. of things. Maybe, explaining a little too much or something like that. Maybe they're just trying to ground it. Yeah. And Bill Murray's, you know, wanted to bring in something a little bit more contemplative instead of it being just this goofy comedy. 
and that's what it is very introspective yeah sort of movie that's what i enjoy about it that's yeah particular bit i guess we'll get that in the middle where he like actually starts to what like actively trying to change and it's yeah yeah kind of and then slowly realizing there are things he can't change yeah yeah and that's really kind of heartbreaking to watch it's one of some of my favorite bill murray moments in there yeah definitely i mean like yeah he we can kind of talk about mm-hmm. that now if you want like because he he's so it's the homeless guy he's so it's just bitter yeah guy. he's yeah. so bitter and angry at the beginning mm-hmm. and um just and you don't even need to know like you know they could have explained it with the whole girlfriend thing or blah blah blah, blah. but it. people get, get into that get position. It. like he's done this for four years in a row he's a middle-aged guy like yeah. a dead-end fucking weatherman yeah like he doesn't care he doesn't hate the people around yeah him. he hates punxatani he yeah. thinks he's better than everyone mm-hmm. he doesn't like any of the people there he doesn't have anything in common with him um but then being put into this position i mean you can see how much he changes there's some really fucked up stuff that he does obviously mm-hmm. at the beginning like once he realizes he's in the there's loop. some problematic stuff. Yeah, very there. problematic yeah, stuff. Yeah. No, it's not like peeping Tom stuff, but basically spying on people. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's just manipulating people. Yeah, especially Andy McDowell's yeah. character. And even before that, like with before he really decides to go for that, uh, when he's manipulating the woman that he, the, I can't remember her name right now, when he first, uh, I can't mm, remember, but it's remember. the first woman that he ends up like sleeping with and stuff using the whole fact that he's in the loop that he yeah, learned yeah. everything about her. And it's really weird. It's so weird. And then he like sort of just leads her on and, you know, the whole thing of just like, oh, you, oh, I want to get married. And yeah, she's just yeah. like, oh, yeah. and then, How you, do know, you know, and then he just drops it. And then he's like, there's another woman that he's, you know, going into the cinema with and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, he does some really nasty stuff. And then he does some really funny stuff where he's like, he starts to realize, oh, well, I can kind of get away with anything. Yeah. And, you know, he's learning how to pull the perfect robbery off exactly you know? yeah uh they said that they didn't want to get too deep into kind of the stuff like ruben and ramus were like uh we don't want to get too deep into the darkness that it could go but it you can imagine be. like and there probably was way darker stuff that mm-hmm. that character could have done in that time sure. the whole thing with uh harold ramus kind of fobbing murray off onto danny rubin kind of actually was one of the reasons why Bill Murray and Harold Ramis stopped talking for almost 20 years. They were together for so many years doing things like Stripes and uh, Ramis would have produced a lot of the films or worked on a lot of the films or directed a lot of the films that starred Bill Murray back in the 80s. Then Ghostbusters, obviously. Yeah, they were really good friends. And uh, it wasn't until his brother who played uh, Buster, I think is his name, the the guy who runs the whole... Uh, he's the whole leader of the whole uh, Groundhog Day ceremony. The older yeah, guy. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah, yeah. Bill Murray's real life brother, okay. Brian Doyle Murray. Uh, Brian Doyle Murray. A same guy he like gives a Heimlich to and saves him yeah, there yeah, when yeah, he's yeah. like doing all of his good deeds. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think he stepped in and was just like, hey, you you need to like, you know, reconcile this. Mm-hmm. And that was during Harold Ramis's like final days really when he was terminally yeah, ill basically. Yeah. It's such yeah. a shame, man. Like obviously they were good friends. Yeah. But to happen during this movie where I feel like they both gave each other their best movie. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Like in, and also just the story itself, it's that sort of like overcoming sort of. It's a very, it's a wonderful life things, yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Like it's very life affirming in yeah. a strange way while being very dark and sad. And yeah. Funny. But yeah, I think, yeah. I guess Bill Murray was going through a tough time and. Yeah, I can imagine. Like he it. felt like his friend wasn't there for him and kind of pushed him off. But, yeah. Um, 
anyway, we were talking about Ned Ryerson, how great that character is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's played by Stephen Tobolowsky. Uh, he described the script changes that came after Bill Murray was meeting with Danny Rubin. Uh, he said, when I got the part, it was still kind of a mediocre Bill Murray movie. <laughs> and he said, you know, Bill Murray with no consequences in comic situations. And it wasn't until we got into the shooting that everything had turned on its head. And it became not only a good movie, not only a great movie, but a classic. Uh, yeah. yeah. So it's interesting how much like influence Bill Murray's sort of personal problems and everything <laughs> and anxieties had on the film. Um, I mean, that makes sense with that that kind of uh, character and that kind of story. Yeah. I think bringing a lot of personal problems to the table helps. Yeah. Uh, moving into some sort of little funny bits about the film when they were making it and stuff. Uh, while filming the kidnapping scene, uh, <laughs> kidnapping Phil. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bill Murray's he was spontaneously improvising the line, don't drive angry, don't drive angry. <laughs> and that was to cover the fact that like he was holding the groundhog in his lap yeah. and it was quite agitated. Yeah. And uh, it was trying to escape by climbing over the steering wheel. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then a moment later, the groundhog actually bit Bill Murray. Son of a bitch. And he bit his hand so badly that he had to go seek medical treatment. Apparently he had to... He had rabies? Yeah, I think he had to have a couple of shots and stuff because he was apparently bitten twice or something during That's this. Groundhog Day. Yeah, fucking Groundhog Day, man. Um, all the clocks in the diner are stopped, which mirror like Phil's predicament. I've never noticed that before, even the last time I watched it. So now I kind of want to rewatch no, it. No, I never watched that. That's really cool. Clocks, but, if there's any yeah. other like clues. Yeah, the there must be some, like must that. be other things. Yeah. There was a scene that was shot like where Phil destroys his room mm-hmm. and slashing pillows and spray painting the walls <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. And he also shaves his head. <laughs> <laughs> and then the camera pulls back from his face to show that uh, that his hair and the room were back to normal the next morning. Mm. But unfortunately, that Harold Ramis couldn't make the dissolve shot match. Okay. Which sucks. That would have been That's a funny, lo- an extra joke, yeah. yeah. But they like, Replace that with the breaking of the pencil thing. Yeah. And like yeah. smashing the radio. <laughs> That's great. And also that penultimate encounter with uh, Phil and Ned Ryerson, where he like grabs him and says, I don't know where you're heading, but can you call in sick? Yeah. Totally ad-libbed. Oh. <laughs> Which uh, I think he just told him like, oh, you know, he's going nice, yeah. to say something and I'm just going to go for it. So just prepare yourself. <laughs> uh, that's so like natural. That's so great. Or were you talking about Sonny and Cher a little bit? Uh, the I got you babe song. Apparently that existed all the way back into the original script. The very first script. Well, yeah, really? I wonder yeah. where that came from. I have no idea, but I will say this. I'm not lying. This is hundred percent true. I used to have a clock radio you know, that would go to the radio. And I always listen to this like sort of, you know, dumbass rock station yeah. or whatever. And uh, I swear to God, I woke up one morning to that song and it freaked me yeah. the fuck out. I was like, oh God, <laughs> I'm in the Groundhog Day. Yeah. The best thing I, I could do anything. The best thing I ever woke, woke up to though, I was about to go to work and I had the alarm going off and mm. it just kicks off and it was just like Twisted Sister. We're not going <laughs> to <laughs> that's great that's great you could use any song in that place because like the joke is that you repeat it and it gets annoying no matter mm-hmm. what it is but yeah. there's something about that song because it's so wholesome and yeah, lovely yeah. made to make you feel good and it just pits love, them off every day yeah I love it at the end they just are playing it again and yeah. you're just kind of like oh shit but it's actually to a different part of the film yeah but uh, yeah you just think that you're yeah like he's it's stuck in this bubble again forever, yeah. and then like you see 
uh, Andy McDowell's arm just like reach over and turn off the alarm. It's really nitro. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Funny enough, Harold Ramis was surprised that the film was actually attracting a lot of attention from various religious groups after the film. Like uh, he thought that like a genius allegory. Yeah, well, he thought it was going to be a big backlash because it was kind of playing, especially particularly the whole thing of him saying that he's a god and yeah, stuff, yeah. you know, and like people don't like that shit. Mm. But apparently there's like gurus and like yogis and all sorts of people like uh, in different sects of Christianity, Buddhists and all that sort of stuff who were all relating to the film and just like, oh, wow, this is like, that's, yeah. You, that's a lovely you've, message. You've got it. Yeah. You've got it. Like you've, yeah. you've hit it. This yeah. is an allegory for what it means to, to be enlightened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, Phil Connors goes through the Elizabeth Kubler-Ross model of five stages of grief uh, from her book On Death and Dying, which are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. Depression and acceptance are my favorite. <laughs> if I have to pick. I like the yeah. montage of him killing himself. And yeah. I like the... It's so grim. Like I said, the, him trying to change. Like, uh, you know, the... <laughs> He always catches the kid falling out the tree. Yeah. And he's like, you blow, what do you say? What do you say? You little brat. You have never thanked me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really good. But no, yeah, what I was saying before, the um, him trying to save that one guy, the homeless guy, and he just can't. Yeah, that's... And uh, the bit in the alleyway, he's like really trying to yeah. wake him up and he can't, he's just crying. And you're like, oh, fuck, man, how did this movie get here? Yeah. they, You know, when he finally gets to his final run through where he creates the perfect date, the perfect they don't day. really throw in the whole thing with Pops. The old, the old homeless yeah. man. So I wonder if he still looked out for him. I think he probably he must did took, took him for lunch like yeah. he did before. And just knew there's nothing I can do. But he gave him like... Yeah, just gave him something. It's a really lovely yeah. idea because then the thought is that you could make every day like that. Yeah. It's the same ending as Scrooge, really. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Bill Murray is perfect it's, for that. It's sort of like Scrooge mixed with Caddyshack. <laughs> you know? yeah and apparently there was, a, there was well. a scene where he was supposed to go like into like a burrow or something to get uh, the ground like a little reference yeah it. but they were like no it's too similar to caddyshack yeah that's good yeah um yeah because jesus i mean like caddyshack he's like trying to blow the fucking thing <laughs> uh yeah i mean the whole thing with the the old man is so sad um but that kind of brings us to the question, though. How long was Phil in the loop? That's the thing, yeah. I don't know. I think I've read, like, I want to say, like, no, it couldn't have been that long. But years, definitely yeah. years, he's stuck in that loop to have learned that much. How long do you think he would have been in the loop? Like, to, to, have, to have gained the ability to play piano, <laughs> to learn French to learn to be like an expert ice sculptor. Yeah. Numerous suicide attempts. <laughs> There's probably way more than he even like mentions. Definitely more than we've seen because mm -hmm. he mentioned more than we saw. Planning the perfect crime. Trying to save Pops. Timing all the saving of the people. And getting like WrestleMania tickets. Like finding out a way. There we go. Reference. Michael Shannon. For, you give yeah. it to Michael fucking Shannon. Michael Shannon is the young Fred. And they freak Fred. out. They're like, oh, WrestleMania. Yeah. I mean, that would take some time to figure out like in one day how you can get your hands on WrestleMania ticket because he would have to get to know all those people yeah. and know what they would want and know how to please them and also perfect it to a way where it doesn't come off weird because mm. every day they're meeting him for the first time. For the first time. So he has to make the perfect sort of impression. Which his whole dates with Rita and all that, when he, I mean, even that's slightly problematic in a way. Yeah. Because you know he's. He's just trying to trick this girl yeah, into falling in love with her. Yeah. Him. 
And he does love her. And you can see he does love her, but it's like he still sort of creates himself as the perfect guy. But I think towards the end, he's mastered it in a way not to master it, but to like, this is what it is. And it, that's the acceptance sort of thing. Yeah. He's, and he's, well, he's grown in the person that yeah. point and he's grown to really like be as selfless as he can be. Yeah. And at that point, he is presenting the truth now, but his truth stuff has changed. Yeah. Quite a bit since the beginning. Which kind of goes back to the beginning of if you have that eternity, like, you know, if you're an immortal, could yeah. you change over time? Yeah, I mean, or would you be stuck like we yeah. are? Like you know, people stop evolving past like thirty, apparently. Yeah, at least like mentally, like you know, politically and stuff. You're not going to change for the most part. You've seen people change, but like mm-hmm. apparently that's kind of way when you set. So if you add hundreds and hundreds more years to that, you that would be an exhausting. Existence. Yeah. Yeah, we were talking about last night actually. That um, myself and Rob, shout out Rob, shout out. Um, we were standing outside the front as I was about to leave him. I was like, "Oh, we're going to talk about Grown all day," and we start getting into the whole. How long was he in the loop? Yeah, it's like he must have been fried. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, definitely. Must have been it. fried. Um, I'll. Is there an actual answer? Well, I've got Apparently a few different have... answers. Yeah, I, yeah. It's, a, it's a question. It's open for, like, I'll even put it out there to listeners. How you long can do you uh, think? hit us up with the PCC podcast or podcast at PrinceCharlesCinema.com. I'm going to undershoot because like, like 10 years. 10 years? Yeah. All right. So during filming, Ramus observed that according to a Buddhist doctrine, it takes 10,000 years for a soul to evolve to its next level. Therefore, the he thing, said yeah. in spiritual sense, the entire arc of Groundhog Day spans 10,000 years. But in a DVD commentary... He estimated a real-time duration of 10 years. Oh, nice. Um, he later told a reporter that I think that that 10-year estimate is too short. It takes at least 10 years to get good at anything. Yeah. Um, and allotting for downtime and misguided years spent, it had to be more like 30 or 40 years. Yeah. So in 2005, Danny Rubin, who's the writer of the original script, he said ultimately it became a weird political issue because if you were asked the studio... How long was the repetition? They'd say two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but the point of the movie to me was that you had to feel you were enduring something that was going on for a long time. For me, it had to be, I don't know, a hundred years, a lifetime. A lifetime. Yeah, yeah, that's a good answer. In 2014, though, What Culture, <laughs> the website What Culture, mm-hmm. who's very famous, another wrestling reference that's for their own What Culture Wrestling, um, combined various time duration assumptions and estimated that Phil spent a total of 12,395 <laughs> days, just under 34 years, reliving... Groundhog Day. <laughs> we did it. <laughs> I missed it. one earlier. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I'll I just mean, say it a bunch at the end of the episode yeah. and then you can <laughs> just fucking cut, cut it in. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, he could have been stuck in there for, you know... 30, 40 years, or it could have been 10 years, it could have been 12 years, it could have been eternity. I feel like it has to be a really long time. Yeah, for sure. For him to like, to get all those things down, time it all perfectly and stuff, you know. I just feel like it would have to be a good long time. Yeah, it takes him that long not to realize not to be a piece of shit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, would you want to be stuck in a time loop? No. Like, to just master anything if you were what kind of things would you master though i think i would do a similar thing like i'd get really good at piano or like mm-hmm. um uh I, I like the idea of learning more and more about everybody in the town yeah and, yeah planning a perfect robbery or 
Yeah. Yeah, all the interesting way to kill yourself, like the microwave in the bathtub, that's fun. It would be interesting, yeah. wouldn't it? Like you could do whatever you want. It's so strange. It's it's almost unfathomable, right? Yeah. Because you, you you would just kind of like, like I'll, I can try anything. Yeah. You know, if you know you're going to wake up the next day. You know, but the thing is, you have to get to a point where you're broken enough to try to kill yourself. So there's exactly. no guarantee that if you're stuck in the loop, you're not just going to die if you try to offer <laughs> yeah, yourself. Exactly. But, you know, yeah, he, you he have only to try finds it. that out by trying. And that's probably... Because really dark. Yeah, how long is that before he just... I don't know. I mean, how that could have been stuck a in long the loop time. Before because, he's like, I'm done. Because you can count... I think there's about 38 days that you actually see in the film, maybe, if you count, yeah. like, just... You see about sort yeah, of yeah. yeah. So I mean, yeah. and then you know it's going on longer, mm. like Just the way he played. Yeah. yeah, I mean, he says, "Don't know if this is true or not." But when he's with that second girl that he that they don't really introduce, it's right after he steals the money. Mm. But you're not necessarily sure if this is like the same day. The yeah. same day. I mean, obviously, he perfected that stealing of the thing. He could have done that for numerous years. You don't know. Mm. He could have done it every day just to have money every yeah, day. Exactly. Who knows? But anyway, he steals that money and he uh, he shows up in the next scene in the really nice car. So he obviously has stole money to get that car. And he's dressed like a cowboy. Yeah, yeah, and the yeah. girl's dressed like a maid. And he shows up to a fucking cinema. And he's she's like, oh, I thought we were going to a costume party. <laughs> and she calls him Phil and uses it. I told you to call me Bronco. <laughs> and then um, he's like, I can't remember what she says, but they're seeing Heidi too. <laughs> And he says, I've seen it a hundred times. You know, so it's always kind of counted in. He's seen that film a hundred times. <laughs> hundred days, yeah. So. That's really fun. And that's an interesting question. I don't know. Um, yeah, because sometimes I'm like, oh, I'd like to be a more, I don't want to die, yeah. basically. Um, but, and the only like downside of that is that you have to see people age and die around yeah. you. But this fixes that but too far the other way where nothing ever changes. And yeah. You can't really enjoy it if nobody else is there to enjoy it with you. True. It's like, it's so isolating in a completely different way. Definitely. Because you can't think like anybody else. Like, I want to see his life after that. Like, how much is it yeah. informed? And yeah. does he ever talk to her about that? Does he ever say? like Yeah, because she just, well... No, I'm like, like at least 30, 40 years older than you. I lived the same day over and over again. <laughs> I mean, I think he tried to tell her at one point. Yeah, well, he and does tell her night. a couple of times. Is that the night, though, where it changes? The thing is, the final time where it changes, I don't know if he actually told her. Yeah. He tells her in one in one version, and he wakes up and she's gone. Mm. Um, when he, like, sort of tells her that he's a god. And by that yeah, point, yeah. he's a better person, but he's, like, only better because he's had to go through this so many times. He's, like, a beaten dog, yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, apparently, though, in the first draft of the script, Phil would enter February 3rd only to find out that Rita was stuck in a time loop of her own. Ah. Oh, God, how would you have played that? Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. Maybe her February 3rd was a time loop. I don't know. Oh, God. <laughs> Groundhog Day 2. Yeah. Could still happen. God. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, that's kind of it for me for like notes and stuff I've mm. taken. I just... I feel like this film's perfect though. It's like a perfect comedy. It's yeah. so funny. Uh, Bill Murray is amazing in it. We were already talking about how just great he is in it. You've got so many really good side characters. Ned Ryerson's like fucking hilarious. Like every encounter with Ned Ryerson's like so good. Like he's just like Stephen Tobolowsky is just so perfect for that role. It's yeah. just like 
his just all of his little bits. He's so annoying. It's yeah. amazing. It's like the one character that like at the end of the day, they can still be kind of a dick to because he's kind of annoying. Even yeah, though exactly. he's like bought he's bought life insurance from him and everything in that final yeah. run. But like he's bought like all of his insurance mm-hmm. and they're still kind of like, yeah, yeah, we'll yeah, see you later. Get out he's like, oh, wow. <laughs> 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 like, what a character. Yeah. Um Chris Elliott as well as mm. uh as the cameraman. Good. Wow. Cheap so good. Andy yeah, Mandel Andy Mandel's great. I I'm not uh you know, that's her other big thing for wedding. Yeah. I'm not a fan yeah. of that, but she's good enough. Yeah, and like I said, she's in um she's in multiplicity as well. Uh, I need to check you, that you out. need yeah. to see with uh with Michael Keaton mm. and another. And Harold it could have been well. another Yeah, they could have been a couple. It could have been the new film. Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Yeah, it could have. I think that's that'd be a good one though, because I feel like they're they have a really good chemistry together, but similar does like so does uh Bill Murray and Annie McDowell. There's yeah, something cool. really nice about it. And it's funny, I was watching a little thing about it uh, and Harold Ramis was talking about them together and he was just like, oh, she's just so like pretty and perfect and just sort of like a lovely person. Mm-hmm. And then you have rough on the edges Bill Murray <laughs> <laughs> come in. But like Bill's just so good at it that Definitely. they just like mold together perfectly. So yeah. But yeah, I mean, I say it's, it's a top-notch film. Um, always climbs up my list every time I see it, and always like sort of like, man, it's one of my favorites. Have you ever watched it like we do, like back? To oh, back? back to back? No, never have. You think that would add to the experience? Because yeah. you already come away with it. The movie done it for you. Yeah, definitely. But I think it's, it's a really great idea. I hope everybody comes and does. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So we're showing it on the second of February this coming Sunday, which is Groundhog Day, and it's shown at one fifteen, and it's also shown at three forty. Tickets are sold separately, mind okay. you. You don't have to it's watch not a back both. to back, so yeah. you don't have to watch both. It's not a double uh, bill. But yeah, you will have to pay for both tickets <laughs> yeah, if, if you, you really decide to do you it. You come out and you're like, yeah, that was great. I want to watch it again yeah. right now. We've done it in the past, though, where we've done it four times in a day, three or four times in a day. It should just be the whole day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people say that every year. Oh, you should just do it for 24 hours. And it's like, well, it's. That's a good joke, yeah. but that's not going to make any money. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> There'd be like two people that yeah, exactly. be die hard enough. Woo! Which is great. Cool. Yeah. Like, I'm happy for them that they're die hard enough to do that, but it's they could pretty do it at intense. Home. <laughs> yeah. Away from yeah. us. Yeah. You can watch it here twice and then go home and yeah. finish it off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, like, I think you should come see Groundhog Day for sure. And then for listen sure. to us talk about it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Then put your little hand in mine There ain't no hill or mountain We can't climb Babe I got you, babe I got you, Okay, campers, rise and shine (laughs) And don't forget your booties Because it's cold out there today That's right, woodchuck chuckers It's Hey, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> this is your host, John the Foster, and I'm here today with uh, my adopted son, Bill. <laughs> you made eye contact with me like the whole time. It freaked me out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're here today. Obviously, um, we come in hot with a um, bit of a bit of something that might sound familiar mm-hmm. to you if you are uh, aware of popular culture in the last yeah, 30 years. Are you on. with it? Are you hip? <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, actually, um, 
<laughs> yeah, it's Groundhog Day. It is. So, happy Groundhog uh, Day. Happy Groundhog Day to you as well. That's not really um, a thing here. Isn't it a thing in America? It is. Everywhere? It is. It is like... I mean, it's not like something that people are going to like take off work for or anything, but you not know, like a it bank is, holiday. It is a real kind of thing, yeah. But for the reason, like in the movie, the Groundhog Day, yeah. come, if it comes out in good fortune or good weather, I forget what it is. Yeah, I'll, get to it. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, you the little background on but it. I'm but I'm so confused. <laughs> yeah. So if you weren't aware of our intro and then also um, us just talking about just now and also the title of the episode and also maybe the description of the episode, if you see that or <laughs> if you if ignored you saw, all of it. Yeah. If you saw our tweets or something, you might have seen that uh, today's episode is about Groundhog Day. Um, we're going to kind of keep it a little bit quick on our end uh, heading into that because we want to get into Groundhog Day and also just kind of like short for time um, exactly and we're so, a person down yeah so. we're a person down it's just me and Phil today it's so. a two hander yeah <laughs> also yeah. we just love funny and share anytime yeah. we can yeah yeah just want to hear that big amount yeah <laughs> because it's Groundhog Day yeah that's all I'm gonna say throughout yeah. the whole show just, just gonna look at you and you have to say Groundhog, Groundhog Day. Day okay <laughs> what would you do if you were stuck in the same day over and over. Anything you want and everything your heart desires. <laughs> Don't drive angry. Bill Murray. Yes! Andy McDowell. Groundhog Day. What did you do today? Oh, same old, same old. Rated PG. Weatherman Phil Connors, played by Bill Murray. Phil. Along with My cameraman Larry Chris Elliott and the new producer Rita, Andy McDowell are out to cover the annual Groundhog Day Festival in Puxatawney, Pennsylvania, but soon find themselves stranded due to a blizzard that Phil didn't predict. <laughs> but that isn't Phil's biggest problem, as he soon finds himself trapped in a time warp where he is doomed to relive Groundhog Day over and over again until he gets it right. Until he gets Groundhog Day. <laughs> until he ends <laughs> Groundhog Day. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. Uh, it was directed by the late, great Harold Ramis. Harold who, Ramis, man. Who helped uh, rewrite the script originally written by Danny Rubin. Harold Ramis. Oh, man. Legend. Rest in peace, yeah, man. It's such fuck, a shame. Yeah, it's such a shame. I fucking love Harold Ramis Me too. so much. Um, this film kind of has like a little bit of stuff like where you could talk about Harold Ramis a little bit and mm-hmm. some of the people that are in it, like particularly Andy McDowell, who also love... Uh, she was in Multiplicity, which is another great Harold Ramis film, oh, which we need to fucking show here. <laughs> like, oh, I love it so much. It's Michael Keaton. It's about and, a guy who can Oh, uh, he clones mul- himself. Yeah. Or, he, yeah. So basically, he's like an overworked sort of guy, and he wants to spend time with his family, but also he's kind of like wants to do like, oh, I want to have my own sort of like free Life, time yeah. and stuff. And uh, so he secretly finds out, well, he finds out a way that he can clone himself, and he like uh-huh. secretly goes and gets his this procedure done and clones himself and then uh i think he might clone himself one more time or his clone convinces him to clone him clone him it's like that simpsons yeah. did it on yeah. it doesn't end the same way where like only one is left and it's a clone and no, no, no 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 oh, no okay. it's not a horror version oh, okay, it's pretty, cool, cool. no it's pretty wholesome but it's so good. Really good it's so good and then the clone i think a clone secretly clones himself and then that clone is just mentally challenged <laughs> it's really bad like of the time oh, but, i really like, want to uh, see michael keaton play that great yeah yeah, yeah. You like pizza no. I pizza <laughs> god it's like the brother from there something about mary <laughs> yeah. yeah basically he's just a child i'll leave it at that he's okay not, let's just say he's a child not mentally challenged okay maybe. Yeah. i don't know um but anyway 
Harold Ramis, wonderful, like sucks he passed away. Um, but anyway, uh, this guy Danny Rubin, though, he had recently moved to L.A. after selling the script to this film called Hear No Evil. Not seen it. Some weird 90s thriller. Um, and his agent, after he sold that script, told him that he should have a calling card script so he can like shop around to yeah, producers yeah. and game meetings and stuff. So he came up with... Groundhog Day. <laughs> uh, <he> Ghostbusters. <laughs> Ghostbusters. <laughs> he came up with the core idea of the script uh, that would actually become the film um, while sitting in a movie theater. Um, he was asking himself a question. If a person could live forever, if a person was immortal, how would they change over time? Yeah. So that's kind of like the idea of it. He decided that having this character be immortal, though, would be like, like, and the world changing around them would be kind of too cumbersome to film. Yeah. Uh, so instead he came back with the concept that he had written down a couple years earlier about a man living the same day over and over and I think that was like sort of based he on something else he gets to do else. both yeah 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 could yeah, he basically. is essentially immortal in Groundhog yeah, Day yeah definitely he tried to kill himself multiple times <laughs> which is great I've been <laughs> yeah. shot stabbed yeah. burnt that's an drowned. interesting thing though because um, all the things that he he mentioned uh, was what uh, oh god yeah the wave yeah. oh it's so depressing yeah <laughs> decides to just kill himself but all those things uh, that he mentioned are uh, ways that Rasputin was like really like like attempted murders by assassins and stuff Uh, but also could have been a weird homage to Ghostbusters because like Harold Ramis ended up getting control of the script and did a rewrite and stuff and and Ghostbusters 2 oh god I can't remember his name right now Carpathian like the bad the baddie or whatever Ghostbusters 2 I think he he died those or was killed those ways or attempted yeah. Kill, so um, yeah, who knows? I don't know. Vigo? Yeah, Vigo, yeah. yeah. Is it Vigo Carpathian? Yeah, Vigo yeah. the Carpathian. I haven't seen Ghostbuster 2 in a long time. Oh, I like Ghostbusters. So long. No, I like it as Underrated. well. I know it's like a lot of people hate it. It's the same it's movie, like, but like, yeah. it's still good. It's fun to watch those guys <laughs> run around and fight a painting at the end. Yeah. <laughs> well, he decided... Groundhog Day. Uh, by looking at a calendar and noticing that it was a day that had little fanfare... There's and, no Groundhog uh, Day movies. Let's yeah. fix that. <laughs> so he decided it would be that day. Um, and it could be screened every year on that day. And, uh, wow, this guy got cocky real quick. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because <laughs> he was thinking of like how there's Halloween films yeah. and Christmas specials uh, and yeah, all that yeah. sort of thing. So This is how I make my money. This is how I win. Yeah. yeah. Um, but after having that day set, he was able to set the film in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania, because that is the actual place in America where the annual celebration does take place. So basically, a little bit of background, like we were saying, I'll give you a little bit about about Groundhog Day. So, my God, I still haven't looked into it enough, and okay. I feel like I I want to, but I just I was like I can't make this episode two hours long. <laughs> but uh, it's a popular tradition in Canada and the United States on February the second. Uh, it derives from the Pennsylvania Dutch superstition that if the groundhog is emerging from its burrow on the day and sees its shadow due to clear weather, it will retreat to its den. And winter will persist for six more weeks. But if it does not see its shadow, uh, because of cloudiness, uh, spring will arrive early. It feels kind of backwards, but yeah. that's it's so really, that means yeah. the shadow means if it's clear out. Yeah, basically, if, okay. it, if it's clear, so if there's a sunshine or something like that, and you can see your shadow. Okay. So that means six more weeks of winter. Um, and that's what happens in the film. Actually, the groundhog does see its shadow, yeah. uh, but then. <laughs> This whole thing is sort of a little weird, elaborate take on like the Christian holy day of Candlemas, which takes place on the 2nd of February. But the whole like Punxsutawney thing started around the 1880s 
uh, and it was literally more of a hunt for a groundhog. Really? Like, literally, they were they like were like a badger call, eating the poor things. <laughs> Did it see the shadow? Good. Let's eat it. <laughs> Let's eat it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's like that weird sort of line where Phil's sort of broke. He's just broken, mm-hmm. and he just doesn't care anymore. And he's like going out, and you know, he gives that really like nasty sort of. Uh, like you know in front of the camera the really yeah, sort the of monologue, nasty yeah, monologue yeah. and the whole line of like it's gonna be cold yeah <laughs> it's gonna be great yeah. it's gonna last the rest of your life mm. that whole thing i think he said look at look at them they used to eat him you know like you That's know funny. he, he kind of mentions it and mm. i like i always thought that was funny but now that i've looked into it it's like they did yeah it's very weird now when he steal the groundhog yeah, they're like yeah. go driving together <laughs> what a great scene yeah what a great scene that sort of finally died out and it kind of became what we kind of know now is Groundhog Day. And, and then it was around the 60s that they finally named Groundhog Punxsutawney Phil, which is possibly after Prince Philip. Uh, sure. And I why have no not? idea why not. Why? It's, it's like where the Prince I'm, Child and I have no idea why. Yeah. I didn't look that up. Yeah. I, cause when I saw Prince Philip, I was just like, whatever. Like, that's a rabbit hole. But yeah. Maybe the, I don't know though. Or if, a groundhog hole. You know, if groundhogs driving cars and trucks and stuff and uh, running over things and all that, you know, maybe it is Prince <laughs> Uh, but yeah um, the film though itself wasn't actually filmed in Punxsutawney Uh, it was filmed in Woodstock Illinois Hollywood is so fake man and there's actually in in Woodstock now there's a small plaque that reads Bill Murray stepped here on the curb where he kept falling into the into the puddle yeah yeah (laughs) that's funny that's the biggest thing to ever happen to Woodstock (laughs) and then also in the corner where he constantly meets Ned yeah, that's now got Ned? a plaque that says Ned's Corner. I love. Oh, I love that. That's one of my favorite running jokes. You should punch him at one point. Yeah, yeah. I feel like we'll talk about Stephen Tobolowsky, the guy who plays Ned Ryerson, in a bit. But uh, yeah, the guy. bad guy in Garfield, me. Yeah, Bring it back yeah. They do. Circle. They do uh, team back up. Oh shit! And, yeah, can Bill, Bill Murray. Murray. That's the weird. Okay, trivia. Bill Murray uh, was Bankman in Ghostbusters. Right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a Ghostbusters cartoon, the real Ghostbusters. The guy who voiced Venkman's character was the same guy who would voice Garfield. Ah. And then later on, there'd be a Garfield movie and Bill Murray would voice Garfield. Whoa, Isn't that weird? Yeah. Okay, man. Yeah, that old Ghostbusters cartoon but was pretty voice amazing. It's yeah. fucking similar. Yeah. yeah, it's weird, but fucking Egon Taylor was like blonde and he had like a huge <laughs> pompadour. <laughs> well, anyway, Ruben took about seven weeks to get the rules of the time loop and thing down and then uh, about three to four days to actually write the first script and eventually after shopping the script around numerous producers uh, would see it and it finally landed in the hands of Harold Ramis Um, funny enough though in the original script it would have had Phil already starting in the middle of the loop okay and like the viewers would have been kind of like what the fuck what the fuck's going on like what's going on with this guy and then they would have had to use like a a voiceover to catch up the audience kind of weird it would have been kind of interesting to start in the middle of the loop but then in the second script, that's when they decided to give Phil a reason to be stuck in the loop. Mm-hmm. But, it's a much better structure to like establish a routine. Yeah, and definitely. Going, and then break it. Yeah, but did you know in the, in the second script, the original reason was that he had dumped a girlfriend at the beginning of the film. And they had this sort of bad breakup and the girlfriend uh, cast a spell on him, which trapped him <laughs> oh, in the loop for 2,000 years. <laughs> oh, that's horrible. Yeah. How, it's that's very a, interesting. Like, that's uh, a good thing. The film kind of never really stepped into a yeah. supernatural thing. Uh, Harold Ramis luckily stepped in at, around the time to kind of stop the whole 
thing with the witch the the witch yeah. and uh they kind of turned it into the story that we all kind of know which helped fit better for bill murray's skills but before bill murray some other people that were considered for the role of phil connors were tom hanks michael keaton good and i mean of the time I like man that could work yeah, yeah definitely it would have worked with both yeah Another would have been a bit funnier, probably for the next couple. Uh, Chevy Chase, oh god, and Steve Martin. Chevy Chase is not likable enough. <laughs> and then um, someone who's just on the other end of the stick. Well, you got to remember it's the '90s, and at the time, John Travolta. Nope. <laughs> but all of those people are deemed a little too nice because the character yeah, Phil. You need more of a you need, like because Bill Murray is just so perfect at playing that sort of asshole character. I think it's a pretty perfect uh, Bill Murray character. Yeah. I think it, it's one of the best showcasing. Yeah, um, definitely. I for me, for me, I I put it up there. It's just one of my favorite. I, I I would say my favorite Bill Murray role. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think he's just perfect for the film. Mm-hmm. Like it nails him perfectly. Like where, I'm a, well, there's other, there's other roles and stuff later. I feel like one person that sort of gets him. I feel like Wes Anderson sort of understands how to like mm-hmm. to get Bill Murray. Like to click into that weird sort of funniness, but then also that sort of like sadness to him, which mm-hmm. I think is Phil Connors, like is to a T. It's just like this man that you kind of hate because he's an asshole, but then at the same time, you feel really bad for him because you feel there's some sort of weird sadness to him. Definitely. And then he's fucking hilarious as well. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, you can't help but to love him. It's sort of contagious. Um, but funny enough, he was, well, not funny. Uh, he was undergoing a divorce at the time of filming. I was going to say, yeah, apparently yeah. it was not a fun set to be on. Yeah, not at all. He was obsessing about the film a lot. Uh, and he would ring Harold Ramis constantly trying to just sort of figure out this character and figure out the script and where things were going. Ramis would eventually just kind of get sick of it, which kind of sucks, and uh, sent writer Danny Rubin to sit and, sit like, and chat with yeah. him and go over. And then figure apparently... Out they would iron out all the anxieties and that would actually lead to some script changes. Mm-hmm. So possibly when they start to go into filming, it would have been a little bit more of the sort of mystical side or weird yeah, side yeah. of things, maybe explaining a little too much or something maybe like that. Maybe they're just trying to ground it. Yeah. And Bill Murray's, you know, wanted to bring in something a little bit more contemplative instead of it being just this goofy comedy. And that's what it is. Very introspective yeah. sort of movie. That's what I enjoy about it. There's yeah. Particular bit, I guess we'll get that in the middle where he like actually started to what, like actively trying to change. And it's yeah, yeah. Kind of, and then slowly realizing there are things he can't change. Yeah, yeah. And that's really kind of heartbreaking to watch. It's one of some of my favorite Bill Murray moments in there. Yeah, definitely. I mean, like, yeah, he. we can kind of talk about mm-hmm. that now if you want. Like, because he... He's so... It's the homeless guy. He's so it's just bitter, yeah. Guy. He's yeah. so bitter and angry at the beginning. Mm. And um, just... And you don't even need to know, like, you know, they could have explained it with the whole girlfriend thing or you blah, blah, blah. It. But People get, it. get into that you get position. It. Like, he's done this for four years in a row. He's a middle-aged guy, like yeah. a dead-end fucking weatherman. Yeah. Like, he doesn't care. He doesn't hate these people around yeah. him. Yeah, he hates Punxsutawney. He yeah. thinks he's better than everyone. Mm. He doesn't like any of the people there. He doesn't have anything in common with him. Um, but then being put into this position, I mean, you can see how much he changes. There's some really fucked up stuff that he does, obviously, mm-hmm. at the beginning. Like, 
once he realizes he's in the there's loop. some problematic stuff. Yeah, in very there. problematic yeah, stuff. Yeah. It's, not, it's not like peeping Tom stuff, but basically spying on people. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it's just manipulating people. Yeah, especially Andy McDowell's yeah. character. And even before that, like with before he really decides to go for that, uh, when he's manipulating the woman that he, the, I can't remember her name right now, when he first, uh, I can't mm, remember, but it's remember. the first woman that he ends up like sleeping with and stuff using the whole fact that he's in the loop that he yeah, learned yeah. everything about her. And it's really weird. It's so weird. And then he like sort of just leads her on and you know, the whole thing of just like, oh, you, oh, I want to get married. And yeah, she's just yeah. like, oh, yeah. and then, How like, do you, know, you know, and then he just drops it. And then he's like, there's another woman that he's, you know, going into the cinema with and stuff. So, yeah. I mean, he does some really nasty stuff and then he does some really funny stuff where he's like, he starts to realize, oh, well, I can kind of get away with anything. Yeah. And, you know, he's learning how to pull the perfect robbery off. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Uh, they said that they didn't want to get too deep into kind of the stuff like Ruben and Ramus were like, ah, we don't want to get too deep into the darkness that it could go. But it you can be. imagine like, and there probably was way darker stuff that mm-hmm. that character could have done in that time. Sure. The whole thing with uh, Harold Ramis kind of fobbing Murray off onto Danny Rubin kind of actually was one of the reasons why Bill Murray and Harold Ramis stopped talking for almost 20 years. They were together for so many years doing things like Stripes and uh, Ramis would have produced a lot of the films or worked on a lot of the films or directed a lot of the films that starred Bill Murray back right. in the yeah. 80s. Uh, then Ghostbusters, obviously. Yeah, they were really good friends, and uh, it wasn't until his brother, who played uh, Buster, I think is his name, the the guy who runs the whole, uh, he's the whole leader of the whole uh, Groundhog Day ceremony, the older yeah, guy. Yeah, That's yeah, yeah. Bill Murray's real life brother, okay. Brian Doyle Murray. Uh, Brian Doyle Murray, a same guy he like gives a Heimlich to and saves him yeah, yeah, when yeah, he's yeah. like doing all of his good <laughs> yeah. deeds. Uh, but yeah, I think he stepped in and was just like, "Hey, you you need to like, you know." reconcile this mm-hmm. and that was during Harold Ramis's like final days really when he was terminally yeah, ill basically yeah. it's such yeah. a shame man like obviously they were good friends yeah but to happen during this movie where I feel like they both gave each other their best movie yeah definitely definitely like in and also just the story itself it's that sort of like overcoming sort of the very it's a wonderful life things, yeah. sort of thing yeah like it's very life affirming in yeah. a strange way while being very dark and sad and yeah. funny but yeah, I think yeah. I guess Bill Murray was going through a tough time, and yeah, I can imagine like he it. felt like his friend wasn't there for him and kind of pushed him off. But yeah. um, anyway, we were talking about Ned Ryerson, how great that character is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's played by Stephen Tobolowsky. Uh, he described the script changes that came after Bill Murray was meeting with Danny Rubin. Uh, he said, "When I got the part, it was still kind of a mediocre Bill Murray movie." <laughs> and he said, "You know, Bill Murray with no consequences in comic situations." And it wasn't until we got into the shooting that everything had turned on its head and it became not only a good movie, not only a great movie, but a classic. Yeah. yeah. So it's interesting how much like influence Bill Murray's sort of personal problems and everything <laughs> and anxieties had on the film. Um, I mean, that makes sense with that, that kind of uh, character and that kind of story. Yeah. I think bringing a lot of personal problems to the table helps. Yeah. Uh, moving into some sort of little funny bits about the film when they were making it and stuff. Uh, while filming the kidnapping scene, uh, <laughs> kidnapping Phil, yeah, yeah. Uh, Bill Murray's he was spontaneously improvising the line, "Don't drive angry, don't drive angry." <laughs> and that was to cover the fact that like 
he was holding the groundhog in his lap yeah. and it was quite agitated yeah. and uh, it was trying to escape by climbing over the steering wheel. <laughs> <laughs> and then a moment later, the groundhog actually bit Bill Murray and bitch. he bit his hand so badly that he had to go seek medical treatment. Apparently he had to get rabies. <laughs> yeah. I think he had to have a couple of shots and stuff because he was apparently bitten twice or something. During That's this. groundhog day. Yeah. <laughs> fucking groundhog day. Man. Um, all the clocks in the diner are stopped. Which mirror like Phil's predicament? I've never noticed that before. Even the last time I watched it. So now I kind of want to rewatch no, it. No, I never just watched that. That's really cool. Clocks, but if there's any yeah. other like clues? To yeah, the there must be some. Like there must that. be other things. Yeah, there was a scene that was shot like where Phil destroys his room mm-hmm. and slashing pillows and spray painting the walls <laughs> and all that sort of stuff. And he also shaves his head. <laughs> <laughs> And then the camera pulls back from his face to show that uh, that his hair and the room were back to normal the next morning. Mm. But unfortunately, that Harold Ramis couldn't make the dissolve shot match. Okay, which sucks. That would have been that's a funny lo- an extra joke. Yeah. yeah, but they like replaced that with the breaking of the pencil thing. Yeah, and like yeah. smashing the radio. <laughs> <laughs> that's great. And also that penultimate encounter with uh, Phil and Ned Ryerson, where he like grabs him. And says, I don't know where you're heading, but can you call in sick? Yeah. Totally ad libbed. Oh. <laughs> Which uh I think he just told him, like, oh, you know, he's say gonna nice, he's yeah. gonna say something and I'm just gonna go for it. So just prepare yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so like natural. That's so great. Or were you talking about Sonny and Cher a little bit? Uh the I got you babe song. Apparently that existed all the way back into the original script, the very first script. Well, yeah, really. I wonder yeah. where that came from. I have no idea, but I will say this. I'm not lying. This is 100% true. I used to have a clock radio, you know, that would go to the radio. And I always listened to this like sort of, you know, dumbass rock station yeah. or whatever. And uh, I swear to God, I woke up one morning to that song and it freaked me yeah. the fuck out. I was like, oh God, <laughs> I'm in the Groundhog Day. Yeah. The best thing I could do anything. The best thing I ever woke up to, though, I was about to go to work and I had the alarm going off and Mm. it just kicks off and it was just like twisted sister. We're not (laughs) (laughs) going That's great. That's great. You could use any song in that place because, like, the joke that you repeat it and it gets annoying no matter Mm -hmm. what it is. But there's something about that song because it's so wholesome and lovely, made to make you feel good, and it pisses them off every day. Yeah, I love it. At the end, they just are playing it again. Yeah, you're just kind of like, oh shit! But it's actually a different part of the film. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you just think that you're yeah, like he's stuck in this bubble again. Forever, yeah. And then like you see uh, Andy McDowell's arm just like reach over and turn off the alarm. Really nice. Yeah. yeah. Funny enough, Harold Ramis was surprised that the film was actually attracting a lot of attention from various religious groups after the film. Like uh, he thought that like a genius allegory. Yeah, well, he thought it was going to be a big backlash because it was kind of playing, especially particularly the whole thing of him saying that he's a god and stuff, you know. And like people don't like that shit. Mm. But apparently, there was like gurus and like yogis and all sorts of people, like uh, in different sects of Christianity, Buddhists, and all that sort of stuff, who were all relating to the film and just like, oh wow, this is like that's. Yeah, you've, that's a lovely you've, message. you've got it. Yeah. You've got it. Like you've, yeah. you've hit it. This yeah. is an allegory for what it means to, to be enlightened. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Phil Connors goes through the Elizabeth Kubler Ross model of five stages of grief uh, from her book on death and dying, which are denial, anger, bargaining, depression, and acceptance. 
depression acceptance are my favorite. <laughs> if I have to pick, I like the yeah. montage of him killing himself, and yeah. I like the. It's so grim. Like I said, the him trying to change, like uh, you know the. <laughs> He always catches the kid falling out the tree. Yeah. And he's like, you blow, what do you say? What do you say? You little brat. You have never thanked me. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's really good. But no, yeah, what I was saying before, the um him trying to save that one guy, the homeless guy, and he just can't. Yeah, that's and oh. the bit in the alleyway, like really trying to yeah. wake him up and he can't, he's just crying. And you're like, oh. fuck, man, how did this movie get here? Yeah. They you know, when he finally gets to his final run through where he creates the perfect day, the perfect they don't day. really throw in the whole thing with pops. The old, the old homeless yeah. man. So I wonder if he still looked out for him. I think he probably he must did took, took him for lunch like yeah. he did before. And just knew there's nothing I can do. But he gave him like... Yeah, just gave him something. It's a really lovely yeah. idea because then the thought is that you could make every day like that. Yeah. It's the same ending as Scrooge, really. Yeah, definitely. Um, and Bill Murray is perfect it's, for that. It's sort of like Scrooge mixed with Caddyshack. <laughs> you know, yeah. And apparently, there was a, there was well. a scene where he was supposed to go like into like a burrow or something to get uh, the ground like a little reference. Yeah, him. but they were like, no, it's too similar to Caddyshack. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, um, yeah, because Jesus, I mean, like Caddyshack, he's like trying to blow the fucking thing. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, the whole thing with the the old man is so sad. Um, but that kind of brings us to the question, though. How long was Phil in the loop? That's the thing, yeah. I don't know. I think I've read like, I want to say like, no, it couldn't have been that long. But years, definitely yeah. years he's stuck in that loop to have learned that much. How long do you think he would have been in the loop? Like to to have to have gained the ability to play piano, <laughs> to learn French, to learn to be like an expert ice sculptor. Yeah. Numerous suicide attempts. <laughs> There's probably way more than he even like mentions. Definitely more than we've seen because mm-hmm. he mentioned more than we saw. Planning the perfect crime. Trying to save Pops. Timing all the saving of the people. And getting like WrestleMania tickets. Like finding out a way. There we go. Michael Shannon. For, you give yeah, it to Michael fucking Shannon. Michael Shannon is the young Fred. And they the freak Fred. out. They're like, oh, WrestleMania. Yeah. I mean, that would take some time to figure out like in one day how you can get your hands on WrestleMania ticket because he would have to get to know all those people yeah. and know what they would want and know how to please them and also perfect it to a way where it doesn't come off weird because mm. every day they're meeting him for the first time. For the first time. So he has to make the perfect sort of impression. Which his whole dates with Rita and all that, when he, I mean, even that's slightly problematic in a way. Yeah. Because you know he's- He's just trying to trick the skull yeah, into falling in love with yeah. her. Yeah. And he does love her. And you can see he does love her. But it's like he still sort of creates himself as the perfect guy. But I think towards the end, he's mastered it in a way not to master it, but to like- this is what it is, and it, that's the acceptance sort of thing. Yeah, and he's, he's well, he's grown into person that yeah. point, and he's grown to really like be as selfless as he can be. Yeah, and at that point, he is presenting the truth self, but his truth self has changed. Yeah, quite a bit since the beginning. Which kind of goes back to the beginning of if you have that eternity, like you know, if you're an immortal, could yeah. you change over time? Yeah, I mean, or would you be stuck like we yeah. are? Like you know, people stop evolving past like thirty, apparently. Yeah, at least like mentally, like. You know, politically and stuff, you're not going to change for the most part. You've seen people change, but like, mm-hmm. apparently that's the kind of way when you set. So if you add hundreds and hundreds more years to that, you, that would be an exhausting existence. Yeah. 
Yeah, we were talking about last night actually. That um, myself and Rob, shout out Rob, shout out. Um, we were standing outside the front as I was about to leave him. I was like, oh, we're going to talk about Grown all day, and we start getting into the whole. How long was he in the loop? Yeah, it's like he must have been fried. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, definitely must have been fried. Um, I'll. Is there an actual answer? Well, I've got Apparently a few different have, answers. Yeah, I, yeah. It's, a, it's a question. It's open for, like, I'll even put it out there to listeners. How you long can, do you uh, think? Hit us up with the PCC podcast or a podcast at PrinceCharlesCinema.com. I'm going to undershoot because, like, like, 10 years? 10 years? Yeah. All right. So, during filming, Ramus observed that according to a Buddhist doctrine, it takes 10,000 years for a soul to evolve to its next level. Therefore, the he thing, said yeah. in spiritual sense, the entire arc of Groundhog Day spans 10,000 years. But in a DVD commentary, he estimated a real-time duration of 10 years. Oh, nice. Um, he later told a reporter that I think that that 10-year estimate is too short. It takes at least 10 years to get good at anything. Yeah. Um, and allotting for downtime and misguided years spent, it had to be more like 30 or 40 years. Yeah. So in 2005, Danny Rubin, who's the writer of the original script, he said ultimately it became a weird political issue because if you were asked the studio how long was the repetition, they'd say two weeks. Yeah. <laughs> but the point of the movie to me was that you had to feel you were enduring something that was going on for a long time. For me, it had to be, I don't know, 100 years, a lifetime. A lifetime. Yeah, yeah. that's a good answer. In 2014, though, what culture... <laughs> The website What Culture, mm -hmm. who's very famous, another wrestling reference so for their own What Culture Wrestling, um, combined various time duration assumptions and estimated that Phil spent a total of 12,395 <laughs> days, just under 34 years, reliving Groundhog Day. <laughs> we did <laughs> I missed it. one earlier. Yeah, fuck. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. I'll I just mean, say it a bunch at the end of the episode yeah. and then you can just fucking <laughs> like cut it in. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, who knows? I mean, he could have been stuck in there for, you know, 30, 40 years, or it could have been 10 years. It could have been 12 years. It could have been eternity. I feel like it has to be a really long time. Yeah, for sure. For him to like, to get all those things down, time it all perfectly and stuff, you know, I just feel like it would have to be a good long time. Yeah. It takes him that long not to realize not to be a piece of shit. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, would you want to be stuck in a time loop? No. Like, to just master anything. If you were, what kind of things would you master though? I think I would do a similar thing. Like I'd get really good at piano or like, mm -hmm. um, uh, I, I like the idea of learning more and more about everybody in the town. Yeah. Yeah. Planning a perfect robbery or yeah. Yeah. All the interesting ways to kill yourself, like the microwave and the bathtub. That's fun. It would be interesting, yeah. wouldn't it? Like you could do whatever you want. It's so strange. It's it's almost unfathomable, right? Yeah, because you, you 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 would just kind of like, like I'll, I can try anything. Yeah, you know, if you know you're going to wake up the next day, you know. But the thing is, you have to get to a point where you're broken enough to try to kill yourself. So there's exactly. no guarantee that if you're stuck in the loop, you're not just going to die if you try to offer <laughs> yeah, yourself. Exactly. But you know, yeah, he, you he have only to try that out by trying. And that's probably he was really dark. Yeah, how long is that before he just? I don't know. I mean, I that could have be been stuck a in long loop time before he's like, I'm done. Because you can count, I think there's about 38 days that you actually see in the film, maybe if you count. Yeah. Like, just. You see about. Sort yeah, of, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. and then you know it's going on longer. Mm. Like, just the way he played it. Yeah. I mean, he says, don't know if this is true or not, but when he's with that second girl that he 
that they don't really introduce. It's right after he steals the money, mm-hmm. but you're not necessarily sure if this is like the same day. The yeah. same day. I mean, obviously, he perfected that stealing of the thing. He could have done that for numerous years. You don't know. Mm-hmm. He could have done it every day just to have money every yeah, day. Exactly. Who knows? But anyway, he steals that money and he uh, he shows up in the next scene in the really nice car. So he obviously has stole money to get that car. <laughs> and he's dressed like a cowboy. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the girl's yeah. dressed in a, like a maid. And he shows up to a fucking cinema. And he's she's like, oh, I thought we were going to a costume party. <laughs> and she calls him Phil and uses it. I told you call me bronco <laughs> and then um he's like i can't remember what she says but they're seeing heidi too <laughs> and he says i've seen it a hundred times you know so it's always kind of counted in he's seen that film a hundred times yeah <laughs> so that's really fun and that's an interesting question i don't know um yeah because sometimes i'm like oh i'd like to be a more i don't want to die yeah. basically um but and the only like downside of that is that you have to see people age and die around yeah. you. But this fixes that. But too far the other way where nothing ever changes. And yeah. You can't really enjoy it if nobody else is there to enjoy it with you. True. It's like it's so isolating in a completely different way. Definitely. Because he can't think like anybody else. Like I want to see his life after that. Like how much is it yeah. informed? And yeah. does he ever talk to her about that? Does he ever say? Like, yeah, because she just, well. No, I'm like, like, at least 30, 40 years older than you. I lived the same day over and over again. <laughs> I mean, I think he tried to tell her at one point. Yeah, well, he and does tell her night. a couple of times. Is that the night, though, where it changes? The thing is, the final time where it changes, I don't know if he actually told her. Yeah. He tells her in one in one version, and he wakes up and she's gone. Mm. Um, when he, like, sort of tells her that he's a god. And by yeah, that point, yeah. he's a better person, but he's, like, only better because he's had to go through this so many times he's like a beaten dog yeah. <laughs> you know uh, apparently though in the first draft of the script Phil would enter February 3rd only to find out that Rita was stuck in a time loop of her own ah. oh God, how would you have played that yeah I have no idea <laughs> I don't know maybe her February 3rd was a time loop I don't know oh. <laughs> sequel Groundhog Day 2 yeah. could still happen God yeah I don't know. I mean, that's kind of it for me for like notes and stuff I've taken. I just, I feel like this film's perfect though. It's like a perfect <laughs> comedy. It's yeah. so funny. Uh, Bill Murray is amazing in it. We were already talking about how just great he is in it. You've got so many really good side characters. Ned Ryerson's like fucking hilarious. Like every encounter with Ned Ryerson's like so good. Like he's just like Stephen Tobolowsky is just so perfect for that role. He's yeah. just like, his just all his little bits he's so annoying it's yeah. amazing it's like the one character that like at the end of the day they can still be kind of a dick to because he's kind of annoying even yeah, though exactly. he's like bought he's bought life insurance from him and everything in that final yeah. run but like he's bought like all of his insurance mm-hmm. and they're still kind of like yeah, we'll yeah, see you later get out like, of here. Oh, wow. <laughs> 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 what a character yeah. um, Chris Elliott as well as uh, as the cameraman, good. Wow, she's so good. Andy yeah, Mandel, Andy Mandel's great. great. I I'm not. Uh, you know, that's her other big thing for wedding. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not a fan yeah. of that, but she's good in that. Yeah, and like I said, she's in um, she's in multiplicity as well. Uh, I need to check. You, that you out, need yeah. to see with uh, with Michael Keaton mm. and another. And it could have been well. another. Yeah, they could have been. It could have been the new 
Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. Yeah, it could have. I think that's that'd be a good one though because I feel like they're they have a really good chemistry together. But similar does like so does uh, Bill Murray and Annie McDowell. There's yeah, something cool. really nice about it. And it's funny. I was watching a little thing about it, uh, and Harold Ramis was talking about them together, and he's just like, "Oh, she's just so like pretty and perfect, and just sort of like a lovely person." Mm-hmm. And then you have rough on the edges, Bill Murray <laughs> come in. But like Bill's just so good at it that Definitely. they just like mold together perfectly. So yeah. But yeah, I mean, I say it's it's a top-notch film. Mm-hmm. Um always climbs up my list every time I see it. And I always like sort of like, man, it's one of my favorites. Have you ever watched it like we do? Like back to oh, back? Oh, back to back. No, never have. You think that would add to the experience? Because you've yeah. already come away with it. The movie done it for you. Yeah, definitely. But I think it's, it's a really great idea. I hope everybody comes and does it. Yeah, yeah. So we're showing it on the 2nd of February, this coming Sunday, which is Groundhog Day. And it's shown at one fifteen, And it's also shown at 3.40. Tickets are sold separately, mind okay. you. You don't have to it's watch not a back both. to back, so yeah. you don't have to watch both. It's not a double uh, bill. But yeah, you will have to pay for both tickets <laughs> yeah, if, if you, really. you decide to if do it. If you come it, out and you're like, yeah, that was great. I want to watch it again yeah. right now. We've done it in the past, though, where we've done it four times in a day, three or four times in a day. It should just be the whole day. Yeah. yeah. I mean, people say that every year. Oh, you should just do it for 24 hours. And it's like, well, it's... That's a good joke, yeah. but that's not going to make any money. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> There'd be like two people that yeah, exactly. die hard enough. Woo! Which is great. Cool. Yeah. Like, I'm happy for them that they're die hard enough to do that, but it's they could pretty do it at intense. Home. <laughs> yeah. Away from yeah. us. Yeah. You can watch it here twice and then go home and yeah. finish it off. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, like, I think you should come see Groundhog Day for sure. And then for listen sure. to us talk about it. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> well, anyway, that's us uh, for Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. Final sort of thoughts on the film for yourself. I great. mean, I'll get it in mind, basically. Yeah, no, it's a great film. It's fucking classic. It might be my favorite. Bill Murray performance. Yeah. That it's very funny, but what stayed with me is it's sort of pathos and the sadness behind it. Yeah. And I really enjoy it. Um, yeah, it's great. It's just really worth watching. And again, like like I said, really life of learning. Yeah, yeah. It's a really good one to watch. Nice, nice. Mm. Well, everyone come see it for sure. Um, that's us wrapping up here because mm-hmm. uh, I think you got to get to work anyway, don't you? Yep, just now. Yeah. Cool. Good timing. So, yeah, perfect timing. Mm-hmm. Anyway, hit us up at the PCC podcast on Twitter. Or a podcast at PrinceCharlesCinema.com via email if you have any comments, concerns, questions. Um, and all, like I said earlier, Patreon.com forward slash the PCC podcast. Back us over there, $5 more a month. You can get access to bonus episodes. We got the Pod Charlies coming soon and you get to vote on them. Uh, as always, you can find me at Tall for All, T A L L, the number four A L L, at Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. And Phil is at FarawayFed on Twitter and in real life. Yeah. (laughs) Come say hi. Yeah. Anytime. All right. See you guys. Happy Groundhog Day. Happy Groundhog Day. (laughs) 